You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast, and here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu, as always, and as the voice in the new intro states, I am your host, Stuart Brooking. And I said this last week when Jeff was on because college football had just started. NFL starts by the time you hear this tonight. But Jay, Jay Stevens is joining me for the Jay Stevens podcast and the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Jay, football's back, baby. Football's back. I'm happy to be back here with you. I'm happy to have football back from college football, what we had this past weekend, to the NFL and college football being back together, reunited, and it feels so good. I'm glad football is back, and still I'm happy to be back with you here on the podcast. Thank you. I've been playing. I know that like the Christmas song is the most wonderful time of the year, but I've been playing that all week because it is the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year. We're not just gonna we're not gonna talk about you know football as a whole today. For those who don't know, I'm a Colts fan, and for those of you who don't know, Jay's a Colts fan, and that's what we're gonna talk about. Week one, we're gonna talk about previewing the Indianapolis Colts and, and their matchup coming up this week versus the Houston Texans. I want to start here, Jay, because for those who don't know anything about the Colts and their history with week one games, they might be a little, little surprised. They're going to look at the schedule and say, man, you guys, you guys play the worst team in football potentially week one. Yeah, the Colts haven't won a season opener since 2013. Let me just run through some of the teams. 2014, Denver. 2015, Buffalo. 2016, the Lions, 2017, the Rams, 2018, spoiling Andrew Luck's return, the Cincinnati Bengals. Actually, it's Jack Doyle's fault. He fumbled the football on the game-winning drive, but we won't talk about that. 2019, the Chargers. 2020, the worst team in the league, the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) 2021, the Seattle Seahawks and Jay coming up this Sunday. The Colts play the Houston Texans. And let me say this. Usually, I'm not really like that nervous versus Houston. And let me get this, let me put this out there. It's not that Houston's an easy win. This isn't college football where you can play Mercer this week and play, you know, Alabama next week. Like everybody in the NFL can ball. Like these are some of the best dudes in the world at what they do. Everybody in the league can ball. Some teams are just, more have more of those pieces together than others i'm scared jay i i listen i i spoke to you in the group chat i spoke to jeff on my podcast and he was nervous for the ohio state notre dame game leading up i'm imagine how i'm feeling right now was how he and you were feeling leading up to that saturday game dude i'm nervous it we could start off zero and two because we traveled to jacksonville week two and we know how that turned out Let's not start on a negative note. I was trying to be a little positive, but Stu lays it out so well, so eloquently discussing the Colts' struggles in week one. You mentioned a 2020 game. I am still a little upset with T.Y. because he got locked down by a rookie at the end of the game and wasn't able to uh, score, help us score on the game when he touchdown drive or the, late in the game, not game with touchdown drive, but late in the game, Colts see the touchdown. T.Y. gets locked up by a rookie out of Florida. Forget his name. Doesn't really matter. T.Y. Hilton. The guy that many Colts fans want still here was not a guy that you wanted on the field at that point in time. But here we are right now. We have the Texans. And I should probably be nervous. Um, I should probably be somebody (laughs) that is uh, being more of a, not an optimist, but a little pessimistic when it comes to this one. I'm being really optimistic with this team this year. Uh, I think it all goes back to or starts with the quarterback. I don't care if he's 37 years old. I don't care if he's been around been around since I was in high school. I don't care about any of that. Matt Ryan can still sling the rock. Matt Ryan can still play. Matt Ryan is still a really good quarterback in this league. Now, is he the guy that was what he used to be? No, he's not. He's falling off. Um, I don't believe there's going to be a Matt Ryan to Julio Jones connection on this team, but that doesn't matter. Michael Pittman Jr. is a good kid, a good player. Got a lot of young receivers here, young tight ends. That should be able to play well as well. I do think the O-line is going to help them. 
for some reason, Stu, I'm not as nervous going into this game as I was with the Ohio State Notre Dame game. Because as you talked, mentioned Jeff Hunt, Jeff and I kind of had the same mindset about that game. A lot of people in the national media and Ohio State media were disrespecting the Fighting Irish. I thought that was really stupid. I'm not. I'm not disrespecting the Texans. I respect them. They're a pro team, like you mentioned earlier. But I just believe in this Colts team, at least in this matchup, not the entire season. At least in this matchup, I believe they can come out, win the game, and snap a streak that a lot of people are tired of talking about going into every single year. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. And I want to focus on this real quick. Um, you talk about underrated. And I've been seeing a lot of Chris Sims drop his playoff predictions. And mm-hmm. everybody has their playoff predictions. It's fine. Colin Cowherd dropped his. Everybody's dropped theirs. And I get it. This isn't the same Colts team that went 11-0 versus the Tennessee Titans by any means. But, Jay, the disrespect that I'm seeing, where the Colts aren't even in the playoff picture. People aren't even putting a team that has the league's best rusher, a defense that was top five, top ten last year and got better, not being in the playoffs for me is is a little disrespectful like you were talking about people were with Notre Dame. Here's the nice thing about that, Stu. None of that matters. Just like the AP poll in college football, how preseason polls are polls now, people like, oh, they're talking points. That's basically all they are. They're talking points. Those things have, have nothing to do with what happens on the field. They might be a little motivating factor or things like that. People might use those for talking points. But ultimately, Colin Cowherd or Chris Sims or – Mike Florio or whoever, people at ESPN, the worldwide leader, or Fox, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. We haven't played in any games yet. These are preseason predictions that mean absolutely nothing. And if I'm a player or if I'm a person like us, we, we use podcasts, I may predict certain things. I'm going to start something this week on Locked on Buckeyes where I predict, predict games, not just Ohio State's upcoming game, but also games around college football. But those predictions are simply predictions on the field, that's what matters. That's the beauty of sports. We can talk and do all these things. We can get upset with people in their preseason predictions. Those things mean absolutely nothing once those players get on the field and the ball is kicked off. I, I agree. I agree. Let's let's turn to this. I, what do you want to see from the Colts, not just in week one, but throughout the entire 17-week season? I want to see consistent improvement and I don't care if it's Matt Ryan improving the O line, improving the DBs improving. I want to see consistent, consistent improvement. And then, or once you get to like, maybe you're uh, the top of the mountaintop for you, maybe your mountaintop is a little bit lower than somebody else's sustain that no drop-offs. I think that's one thing where you see with the Colts, they, they start off a certain way or a few years ago, they beat the chiefs in Kansas city and everyone's riding high and everyone's excited but then you started to see things are a little bit different. Things are a little bit off. I want to see you steadily improve once you reach your mountaintop, once you reach your peak as a player, sustain that. I also want to see Frank Wright to be better as an in-game coach and signal caller because that's one of my biggest complaints with him. Uh, somebody asked me, like, I think it was my brother asking about Jonathan Taylor and how I view Taylor and how I think he's going to be in this year. I say it's not so much about Taylor. It's more so about Reich. My brother's like, what are you talking about? He led the league in rushing last year. I don't care. I don't trust that coach. I don't tr- trust the guy who's calling the plays. And so, therefore, even though JT is the guy and he has a phenomenal O-line in front of him, I think that Frank Reich can get in his way. However, the one thing that I think can stop Frank Reich from getting in his own way is Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan has built up a reputation has enough uh has enough respect in this league, hopefully by Frank Reich, that in moments allow the quarterback Matt Ryan to call the shots. Things would be a whole lot better for the team. Things would be a whole lot better for everybody involved if we look up and see Matt Ryan doing X, Y, and Z on the football field and disregarding some of the weird play calls that come from Frank Reich. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, it's not necessarily being consistent, which that's a huge thing. Don't get me wrong. But for me, it's about starting off well and fast. Twice, Jeff, or Jay, twice in Frank Reich's career, they started off one and four, one and five, and had to fight back. Last year, they fell just short of the playoffs. In 2018, they made the playoffs and won in the first round. 
it's it was rare to do it once. You obviously couldn't do it twice. And the third time, it's probably not going to work out as well as the first or second time did. So we cannot, they cannot come out slow like they have the last couple of years and expect to be like, oh, we've been here before. We can do this again. Like, like it doesn't happen twice, yet alone three times, Jay. That's not going to happen. And so I also agree with you with the coaching stuff. I've been very critical throughout my time on this podcast of of Frank Reich and his play calling. Very critical. To the point to where last year at Jacksonville, if you would have come and told me he got fired after that Jacksonville game, I would have been like, not sure who you're going to get that's better than him, but I get it because he's horrible in that Jacksonville game. And I've been very, very vocal about, at times, he looks stupid on the football field as far as making calls goes, right? Like, he's a smart guy. He gets a lot of but there's a lot of dumb decisions. And I go back to two years ago when we had when we had the Houston – or was it last year? One of the two. It was two years ago. We were with Phillip Rivers. We were marching down. We played the, we played the uh, Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night or maybe Sunday night. And there was four minutes and 20 seconds left. We were down by seven. And Frank Wright could have won the game. All he had to do was push the ball down the field. And instead we went run, screen, screen, run screen turnover on downs Baltimore won the game and that didn't make sense to me because the next week we come out against Houston or against Tennessee throw the ball over the field and dominate so it's those things with Frank Reich that I need to see a little bit better of this year if the Colts want to get where they think they can get I'm with you and it's a little baffling to me but it's also a very alarming thing and an eye-opening thing where you realize some guys aren't meant to be head coaches or if they are meant to be a head coach they cannot get you past a certain point. He was a backup quarterback and when he played in the NFL, and you would most of the time backup quarterback, backup point guard, guys that are uh, in charge of a lot of things, in charge of a huddle. You would think, oh, yeah, a lot of those guys, those guys make great coaches, which is true. But sometimes they're better quarterback coaches. Sometimes they're better offensive coordinators. Sometimes they can be a head coach but only on teams that don't want to win Super Bowl or are fine just being mediocre or average. I don't know a Colts fan out there that wants to be mediocre or average at all. And so when you think about Frank Reich, I'm not saying he's he's not going to get another head coaching job. I believe he will. I just don't think that Ursay is satisfied or should be satisfied with what Reich has done so far here in Indianapolis. And I think this might be, the last year for Reich. I don't care what the contract say. I don't care about none of that stuff. This could very easily be the last year for Frank Reich if he does not get right. Now, at the same time, Matt Ryan could help him, and Matt Ryan could cover up some of the holes and the errors in Frank Reich's coaching, which is going to be one thing. But if Matt Ryan is here for two years, that's two more years with Frank Reich, all of a sudden, if Matt Ryan leaves, go back to the draft, or you get somebody via free agency, we're back to square one where we have been the past, what, five, six thousand, eight years. And so I don't <laughs> want to go back to those years, but the Colts got to figure out is right the guy. I don't think he is a guy. I think we have a ceiling. I don't think the Colts can ever go deep into the playoffs with Frank Reich. Here's a weird thing for you. A lot of people don't like Dan Dockage, but Dan Dockage will tell you and talk about how and why Ryan Grix's teams went further into the playoffs than anything Chris Ballard did. Why? I don't know. I have no idea why that's the case. Was it Pagano and his motivating tactics? Was it, is Reich the one holding things back? I have no idea. But at some point, you got to realize, Pagano's not the better head, not a, an amazing head coach. But somehow his teams went deeper into the playoffs. Was it the quarterback? Was it Pagano? Was it Grigson building the team? We don't know. But I do think that there's a really co- weird connection with Reich and how weird this team has been right now. And with Chris Ballard and how things were previously under Grixon, where people were open about Grixon and how Grixon is was not the best per, uh, person, most personable guy, not the guy you really wanted to talk to, kind of was my way or the highway type of guy. I'm saying, man, Colts got to the AFC Championship. Now, granted, your boy Andrew Luck was there. Can't, can't get over that. But outside of that, man, outside of quarterback issues with the Colts, there have been a lot of issues with the coaches uh, that the Colts have had almost at Ohio State. And um, <laughs> it's uh, it's really baffling. For those of you know, uh, haven't heard listen uh, previously, I do host Locked on Buckeyes, so I say Ohio State 
multiple times a show five days a week. So if Ohio State slips up once or twice throughout the show, that is why. Yeah, and we'll move off the uh, Frank Wright thing, but I just have one more thing to say about that. It is interesting. You talked about, like, the head coaching thing has been kind of interesting for the Indianapolis Colts because they make the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy and they win it. Then they make it with Jim Caldwell. But I think it's very well understood among Colts fans that that was Tony Dungy's team and just kind of babysat by Jim Caldwell. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, a couple years late, then we see what happens when he gets the reins, right? We lose to the Jets in the playoffs. We lose to the Chargers. Peyton gets hurt. Next thing you know, we come out. uh, Curtis Painter, I live in Vincennes, a Vincennes alum here, doesn't work out. All those types of things falls apart. Here's the thing, and then they bring in Chuck Pagano. They get Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck made up for a lot of the disparities that Chuck Pagano had as a head coach. It fell apart. Here comes Frank Reich. I'm with you. I don't think Frank's that guy. I don't think he's the answer that we need, but I'll look at it and say, man, like, what are the Colts going to do if if we do get rid of them? I think there's a lot of young head coaches out there. I will say, I'm not saying that this will happen. I'm not calling for Frank Reich's job. But if a meltdown happened like it did last season at the end of the year, Frank Reich's going to be gone. And there's a certain somebody that works for ESPN, just a certain somebody that recently took a break from being a head coach that would be available, and his initials are SP. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And he, he you know, Revolutionized football with Drew Brees. I'll, I'll give you that hint, one final hint. And, you know, we'll we'll leave it at that. But that's just, you know, somebody I would I would love to see. But probably not going to happen. It's just a pipe dream, I would say, at this point. All right. I talked a little bit. I don't know if you listened, but I talked a little bit earlier in the year, previewing, leading into the first preseason game, with Greg Rakestraw about the Colts and their wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And I think this – whole narrative of them not really having a wide receiver is kind of blown out of proportion, Jay. And I say that because I, Michael Pittman's the, dog, the the guy on the team. And recently, we just saw on the depth chart, Alec, <laughs> Alec Pierce, the rookie, is the number two wide receiver. Now, there's a lot of question marks there. There's a lot of question marks with, the guy, with your guy, Paris Campbell, you know, Ohio State alum, all these types of things. And then there's a lot of questions after that. At, about some of these guys, but I look at it and say, if Alec Pierce is just decent and Paris Campbell stays healthy, I think this is a team that with with Matt Ryan and JT that can make up for a lot of those disparities among there. But something that's not getting talked about as well is we're going to see, and I was, you know, Greg Rakeshaw talked about this. We're going to see Naheem Hines used as a wide receiver quite a bit this year as far as scheming and game planning goes. They want to get him the football, and he's going to be on the field at the same time as JT. So for me, these wide receiver issues are very blown out of proportion. Yes and no. I am one that is a little hesitant with receivers, and it's not so much because of um, what everyone else is saying. Uh, I think, Stu, you know myself, and you do the same thing. We don't always go with what everybody else is saying as far as their analysis or what the consensus is about a position. I look at this quickly right now and I see, well, Michael Pittman Jr. We know what he can do. Alec Pierce, he's a rookie. I have no idea. None yep. whatsoever. Yep. Paris Campbell. He's been hurt his entire career with Indianapolis. But when he's been healthy, he's shown flashes. Correct. But we haven't seen that those flashes 100%. or anything consistently. And so I, I can only go off of, like, yeah. if I give you a five-game span, a five-game uh, snapshot, I have it from Pittman Jr. I might have five games total from Cam. I think he's played more than five games. Alec Pierce, no. Then you go to Ashton Doolin, Mike Strawn, Desmond Patton, guys that are second on the depth chart. There's not really many guys that are proven. And so, and everyone's saying, oh, here's why the Colts receivers are going to be bad. Well, give me some, give me, Give me your thought process. Let me know how you get to that conclusion. Many people can't do it because they're following it, going along with what everybody else is doing. So I have my own issues with it. However, you mentioned, and I think Greg Gregstraw mentioned, um, Naheem Hines. 
that's something that should have been done three or four years ago. One hundred percent, I agree. And I told, I brought this up with Greg on the on the podcast. I said, I remember last year, I because I had Naheem Hines on my fantasy team, and the first week I believe it was against Seattle. Maybe it was the second week. He went off. I think he got me like. 18 or 20 fantasy points like went off like so I think he had so many receptions and yards and it was very good and then the rest of the year was silent as far as receiving goes and I asked him I said do you think this is what we'll see a lot this year is him on the field getting receptions and he said that's the game plan from everything that they've shown in training camp and everything that he's heard from this coaching staff is that that's the game plan is to get him involved at the same time and get him on the field at the same time as JT. That's a weapon that most teams do not have. I think of Naheem Hines, the track star at NC State. I believe he ran a 4-3 in college. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal football player uh, for the Wolfpack as well. But you have Jonathan Taylor, you have Hines, you have Pittman Jr. I believe Campbell and Pierce will be good this year. I think Campbell will split some time at the slot with Hines, um, kind of being back and forth off on and off the field, which would be great for Campbell's health. I mean, first four to five games this year, after coming off of some numerous years where he has – been knocked out of the year due to injury get his feet wet but also be like hey we're not going to be allowing you to play every down at slot we're going to put you in there and situationally put you there um but then also what does molly cox give you like i get the receivers but if you want to get the receivers to get open and give those and make matt ryan's passing windows to be just slightly bigger you got to get something from mo alley cox and colin granson john lonnie woods the, the the rookie tight end i'm very skeptical not because he's a he's a he's not good I just think he's just because he's a rookie. You have to show me something. You have to prove it to me. Similar to what I said about Ohio State going into that game. Ohio State's defense played phenomenal against Notre Dame. But going into the game, that was one of the positions, that was a group that I had the most questions about because the past couple of years, they have not played that, that brand of defense. So I need to see something from Jelani Woods and the rest of the Titans at, uh, at the Colts have. I really think this receivers group, about week four, five, or six, We'll be seeing, we'll see who they are, what they can do, and what they can be throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we're going to see this early. And I say that because it's going to lead to another conversation. And let me say this. You pointed out something. You said, you know, we don't base, me and you, we don't really base our opinions off of what other people say. The reason I keep saying from what I'm hearing and these types of things is I I didn't get the chance to attend training camp. I watched some of the preseason, but it's preseason. And even though they are starting defenses out there, they're running your basic bland defenses. They're not right. doing anything complicated. Right. So it's hard to tell. So I won't know until this Sunday and be able to make kind of a basis off of this Sunday. But from everything I'm hearing, we're going to see more of a 2020 Indianapolis Colts where it's going to start off early and we're going to be like, where's JT? How come we're not getting more JT touches? How come we're throwing the ball more? And I think that's good in my opinion, because we see a guy like Derrick Henry in the same division from a, and us got hurt last year and all that tread on the tires and feeding him the rock and feeding him the rock and feeding him the rock. I, I think it's good if JT takes a step back this year and he's top four or five in rushing and not the best, not the number one in rushing, because that means week 16, 17, 18, if we're lucky enough to get to the playoffs, we have a JT with still a very fresh set of legs getting ready to do damage when you need them the most. That's a great way to look at it. Really great way. I, I, I'm i also one that I don't need – I don't really care about, say, like, stat rushing leader. Um, now, granted, Edron James, he was a Colts running back. He was uh, – he led the league in rushing, I think, two or three times prior to tearing his ACL, and that really was what um, shortly ended his tenure here at Indianapolis. I, I would love for JT to have – be the rushing leader just to say this another accomplishment under his belt as a NFL football player but that's not the end all be all let's just say he has a, he has a few a uh, couple hundred 250 less rushing yards touchdowns are similar but the offense flows better when he's not the focal point and getting all those touches and all those yards I am perfectly fine with that because at the end of the day Stu would you know this and people listening to your show they know this as well the name of the game is to win do what is needed to win. And if giving JT less t- less carries, less touches, he has less yards, but the team wins more games, I don't think any Colts fan – well, 
You might get some Colts fans that will complain about it. Yeah. They shouldn't. But I don't think most of your smart Colts fans or most majority of them will complain at all if less cuts, less, less touches, less carries ultimately leads to more wins for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I agree. And here's the thing, too. I, I look at it like this. If JT had gotten less touches week two through, let's say weeks two through five, mm-hmm. and Carson wasn't what Carson was, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, not a roller coaster, and he was consistent, and the Colts were able to get some wins without JT being able to get that, or without JT being JT, I'm not so sure week 18 went the way it went last year. And I know people like to blame Carson Wentz, but Jay, you watched the game just like I did. The entire team, the entire team from the coach down to the punt returner didn't didn't play well in that game. Mm-hmm. And although I think Carson ultimately got the axe and got the blame and all that kind of stuff, JT didn't play well either. And I do think if JT had some a little less tread on the tires heading into that Jacksonville game, it might have been a totally different story yeah. heading into that game. And JT might have busted a couple big ones. And we're talking about a completely different story here. That's very true. That's that's very, very true. Um, stories of games are interesting, man, just to see how um one player or one player coming off the field or things like that kind of change how things are on a on a on a uh on the field. And so it's interesting interesting you mentioned like how certain things changing, certain things happening can change the entire story. And you and I can be having a different conversation right now, but that's the beauty of sports. And the more we talk about it, I just keep getting more excited about the football season and uh, really see what JT does with Matt Ryan, because Matt Ryan, even at 37 years old, is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Like this offense could look better quarterback than Phillip Rivers was a couple of years ago. So I really am curious to see like how a better quarterback, a more seasoned quarterback, quarterback, that's even been to the Super Bowl can help JT be the better, the best running back he could be this year. And the quarterback, who again, not my words, not uh, not Greg Rakeshaw's words, Reggie Wayne's words, a guy who resembles Peyton Manning so much, yeah, yeah, that he made Reggie Wayne want to puke. That's how much he reminded him of Peyton Manning. I want to ask you a question real quick because we're talking about the Jacksonville game. This wasn't on the sheet but I do want to talk about it. I mentioned this with Jeff on last week's podcast was because I'm just now starting to get excited for this football season, for, for the 2022 football season. And I told Jeff, I said, usually it's like June, like right around when I was getting married, like I'd start to be like, all right, draft's over. Let's go. Let's see this kind of stuff. It wasn't until the preseason started that I started to feel a little bit more like, all right, football's back, those types of things. I do think I was just so, like, devastated or so upset, I guess, at how the year ended Yeah, that I was just like, bro, I, I don't even care at this point. Like, if whenever it comes back, it'll be back. But I'm I'm getting those jitters now as we get closer and closer. But I do, I, I do just want to see, like, how long did it take you before you were like – obviously for Ohio State, but for the Colts or NFL football, how long did it take you before you were like, all right, I can't wait. This week. This week. Um, yeah, Same. we're recording this on what is today? Wednesday, I believe it yep. is. And um, literally by Monday or Tuesday, uh, I what it's just the weirdest thing, man. The more <laughs> I get deeper into Ohio State football and covering it for the Locked On Podcast Network, my love for college football keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And my desire to watch the NFL football, it, it, it like it keeps going away. Though I'm not saying I don't like professional football. I love football at the highest level. I love it. But for some reason, college gets me. It's gotten me for 20-plus years. It'll continue to get me. I've been an NFL fan longer than I've been a college fan. But for some reason, that that scene, the band, the players, everything that goes into it, the brands that are there, it gets me. And I think the NFL, for some odd reason, my desire to not watch it, there, was, there have been times I didn't watch every Colts game. I didn't watch a lot of them. I'm going to watch more of them this year just because, like, I I want to. I have a stronger desire to watch Colts this year than I normally do. I think my real issue with the Colts, though, is I don't like this complacency, bro. Like, I don't like going in every season like, will we make the playoffs? 
Um, when we when we get ten wins, eleven wins, or what uh, what will the team be like? We have a new quarterback. The coach might be up out of here. Um, Chris <laughs> Bell's a phenomenal GM, but the team still can't get right. I, I I have issues with that. So maybe their production, their record, how they have played, the ups and downs, or roller coaster of the Colts season, has kind of got me. Because bro, I got you when you, I got spoiled growing up. Peyton Manning. Edron James, Marvin Harrison, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Bob Sanders. I got spoiled. I'll tell you that right the, now. I caught the end of that. Like Peyton was my was the reason I be, one of the main reasons I became a Colts fan. My the first season I really remember watching Colts football was the Super Bowl season. Okay, and, and then from that point on, but I didn't well, the get Bears the, Super Bowl or the Saints Super Bowl. The Bears Super Bowl. Okay, okay, and that's the first time I remember watching it. You know, Joseph Adias rookie year because I never got to see Edron play football the way I, I, I would have liked to have seen yeah. him play football. But yeah, that's the first time I remember watching Colts football hardcore. I'll let you finish. I'm sorry about that. But no, no, you're good. You're good. Your show. You're perfectly fine. But I grew I got spoiled, bro. And so me being spoiled, I think the past and even like the Andrew Luck years weren't really the issue. And even him getting injured and um was a ski trip or whatever. Like I get like those things happen. But seeing the dysfunction with the front office and with this franchise, players getting hurt, players, the team, for some reason, can't get the quarterback position right, um, can't get all the positions right. You're, you fall you fall in love with a receiver in T.Y. when 10 years ago you would have cut T.Y. because T.Y. started to fall off. You let go of Reggie Wayne when people said bring Reggie Wayne back, but Reggie Wayne was past his time. You let go of Dallas Clark. You let go of Joe. You let go of all these guys that still had time left and still had – Still can play the football, but all of a sudden you're, you're sticking with Ty. Now you don't have Ty now, but there's so many just weird things that have happened with this team over the past yeah. five years. That could be why, like my desire to watch them, it took me so long to get to this point now where I'm excited to watch the football. But Colts play Sunday. They play the Texans. If you haven't asked you what I think about that game or other things that other predictions, I know we'll get to that later there. on. We're getting there, but I'm excited for this team, man. I really am. Oh, you mentioned the defense. I think more. I'm putting more emphasis on the O line and the quarterback for the success in game number one than the defense, because um, I just don't really trust Davis Mills. Um, but we'll see what happens. All right, let's get to that prediction, or let's preview this game real quick between the Colts and the Texans. I look at it. The Colts are coming in with a like like I mentioned a very good defense last season. Then they add Yannick Ngakwe. They add Stephon Gilmore. Some of the guys, like the late round pick, who I can't pronounce his name last year, the same year that they drafted Quiddy Pay that plays mm-hmm. defensive end, um, him as well. They're getting a lot of guys back off of injury. They may be without Shaquille Leonard for a little bit, but I think this defense is the best part of this team outside of Jonathan Taylor. Yes. I, I can't go against that. I don't want to go against that. I love – I. I agree with everything you said, yes. And for you to say that now, and you believe there are players here that can be not just game changers, potential pro bowlers, DeForest Buckner, yeah. Kill Leonard, assuming whenever he do- does come back and play consistently, Kenny Moore once again, Stephon Gilmore, Julian Blackman. Like, you have guys that are dogs on defense, which is something you haven't had in all three levels in Indianapolis consistently for a while. So I do believe, though, as much as I want to look at the O-line and the quarterback for success in game one, you say it so well, and this is something that I do believe in. You want to be successful? You do need a good defense, starting with the guys up front. I trust the guy, the, Col- the Colts D-line. I trust what um, DeForest Buckner and Yannick Ngakwe and what they're able to stir up and put together in their lab in the offseason on the practice field. So when it's game time, they're able to be game wreckers and make things easy for guys like Leonard o- Okereke and Zaire Franklin to make tackles in the backfield or maybe just for short, ge- short games who are the opposition. This Colts defense can be scary. And I believe, again, because the Texans is needed. You're not playing – the Rams or yeah. the Bills. You're playing a divisional team in the Texans where you're able to see like they're not as good as us. They have holes. We can come out and really put some belief and put some hope in the Colts fans, but also you're able to really build your own morale in the same way. Yeah, I agree. Here's the thing too. 
the good thing about playing a team like Houston, and again, I don't want to come off as if I'm doubting Houston, but like you, I but I, you I are, but you are doubting Houston. <laughs> the thing about playing Houston is you're not playing. It's not like you're playing Kansas City Week One, and so if this defense comes out looks a little rusty, they have two weeks right to fix it before they play the Kansas City Chiefs Week Three, where you're really going to need that defense to wreak some havoc on a guy like Patrick Mahomes and force this offense to kind of force that offense to kind of be, you know, stagnant, shall I say. And I'm going to tell you this, Jay, I don't know how to react, dude. These last few years, as much as I've blasted Eberflus for how poorly he's done some things, dude, you talked about your, you know, being blessed with Peyton Manning and Edron James and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Those same years, dude, you had some bad defenses, and the Colts had some bad defenses. The year we went to the Super Bowl, we were 32nd ranked. Turned it on in the playoffs, became the number one ranked defense in the playoffs, but 32nd ranked. That was what it was like throughout Peyton's career for the most part. And part of Andrew Luck's career, that's what it was like. So to say, man, the Colts could have a top five, top four defense in the league, like gets me a little bit excited because it's like I've never seen this. As, as a Colts fan, I haven't witnessed, witnessed this very often to the point to where it's like, oh, okay. You know, Baltimore Ravens fans witnessed it all the time. Yeah. Bears fans witnessed it all the time. Not us. We were known for our offense, not the defense. And so I think this year it'll be kind of different. I also think coming in, looking at the Houston side of things, Damian Pierce came into the preseason, let it up. He's going to be named the starting running back for the Houston Texans. Davis Mills played well last year. You could argue that behind Mac Jones, he was the second best rookie quarterback last season. And at points in time showed maybe he's got what it takes to be the future. I, like you, don't necessarily think he's going to be a franchise guy. I think he's a guy who's going to stick around for a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be a guy who can carry your team, shall I say. But – I look at that. I have high hopes for their tight end, Brevin Jordan. I really like him. I think he could be a threat, a lot like Isaiah Likely in Baltimore is getting the credit for being. I think he can do a lot of cool things, but there's there's a lot of question marks on that Houston Texans team from offense, defense, special teams, head coach, everywhere to where we look at it and say we don't know what Houston's going to be this year. We expect them to be bad, but we don't really know what they do or don't have on that team. No, you don't. That could be a blessing and a curse in week one. You can go into that game saying, well, as a fan or someone who is not like um, in the know, you may want to say, you might think, oh, like we don't know what they have, um, kind of low expectations. Um, whatever happens, happens. And you could go into the game being like, oh, we're going to beat them by 20. Beat them by 20, 20 points. Uh, Cole score 31. Um, say 31. 31 11 or something like that, like a 20 point win. Be like, oh, we got this. We got we got this easy. Or even as a player, you can go in here and be like, it's the Texans. Like, we're gonna we're just gonna roll over them. And you know, put out your your A your A plus effort. You don't go all out, you don't go through the whistle, all the things you've been taught since you were a youngster, then all of a sudden, bam, you lose the game, which should have been an easy win. It's now an embarrassing loss, and you have to go in the pro game press conference and answer questions about. Why did you play this poorly against a team you should have beat by double digits? So it's a blessing and a curse, but um, you're correct, man. Like as I look at the de- as I look at this roster, the depth chart uh, here in front of me, Derek Stingley Jr. I'm look I'm curious to see what he's going to do, but once yeah. again, he's a rookie. Like okay, hello, first time playing in the NFL. Luckily, you're not going up against a Hall of Fame receiver, but you're still going up against some guys that are really talented for the Colts. Alec Pierce, I don't know, but still, it's one of those things like. And arguably a Hall of Fame quarterback, but that's a different debate. Yeah, yeah, for a different yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I've had a conversation with my brother and other people, and people say no, and um, I could give you an argument as to why. I could give you an argument as to why Eli Manning will probably get in, not first ballot, but will probably get in. And so, like those are two quarterbacks that maybe some say no, he's a he's a fringe on the outside. He may no, he's they're both probably getting in for numerous reasons. Um, just depends on how at what time. But yeah, like the Hall of Fame the. Matt Ryan, potential Hall of Fame quarterback. That's another thing as well because you're going up against a guy who's seen a lot of football. He's yep. probably seen all the coverages, everything that can be thrown at him. 
if there's a new wrinkle, he'll probably be able to decipher it and pick it apart very, very quickly. So, yes, the Texans have a lot of holes. They have some youth. They have players that can play. But will they be able to put it together and play well in their first time playing in the National Football League? That's to be determined. Yeah, I I agree. And so that leads me to this. I'm going to ask you for a score prediction. I'm going to do mine first. I'm a little more – well, you're probably the same way. I'm more cautious than most Colts fans about this game because I I do realize even though the Colts on paper are the better team, I do realize we also haven't won an opening game in eight years. And for me to come in and be like, oh, we got this one is a little like – maybe a little naive or, or kind of, you know, crazy of me to think that. So I'm going to say it will be 30 to 17, and it's only 30 to 17 because the Colts score late into the game off of like a turnover or something. But for most of the game, it's a it's a one score 24-17 game, and the Colts get the ball back late and kind of put it out of out of reach. I got it easy for you. I don't. I won't use a long, drawn out pause to get dramatic response from the listeners, which I was very tight. That was really good. Uh, Twenty eight seventeen Colts. Um, I think the Texans will score. I, I think the Texans scored a field goal late. It says you mentioned the Colts scoring a touchdown late. I think this, the Texans score a field goal late to get into that seventeen, probably twenty eight fourteen. Most of the game, late into the game, they start driving the Colts defense holds them, hold them to a field goal. Twenty eight seventeen Colts. Um, cover the spread, snap the streak. Week one deficits, which is crazy to think about. But once again, this is this is the kind of game you need to build confidence in week one to start the season. And I believe the Colts have that, and it starts this weekend. It's a little crazy to me to think that, you know, when you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, you know, especially to build confidence heading into week two. And people will probably be like, week two, like you play, play Jacksonville, didn't they just have the number one overall pick? And it's like, yeah, but, you know, Colts haven't won a, a season opener in eight years, but we also haven't beat Jacksonville at Jacksonville since 2014. So it's like back-to-back weeks, we got these these streaks, we got we to gotta break. And so for me, it's like – I Jay, I don't know about you, man, but I was looking at this, dude, and I've been texting my friends, my wife, everything. There's a chance, just based off of history and what we know, that the Colts could start off 0-2 against the two worst teams in their own conference or their own division. And that is scary to me. Possibly the two worst teams in the whole league. Like, well, not think, just division. I think Jacksonville will be better this year, but Houston definitely, yes. Yes. Yeah, but possibly the two worst teams in the entire 100%. league. Like, let 100%. that sink in for you really quickly. Like, the Texans are not good. The Jaguars are not good. Yeah, you would hope the Jaguars. You would hope the Jaguars are better because they don't have to deal with the fiasco and all the media <laughs> hoopla they had to deal with last year. But these teams are bad, man. Like I yeah. get the pros, they're bad. And if you start zero two, we talk about Frank Rack being on the on somewhat of a warm seat. But that seat's going to get week three. Yeah, 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 yeah. This seat's going to be super hot, super hot immediately if you lose to the Texans and you go to Jacksonville. And you lose. Don't let that happen. Don't. Because Stu and I will come on here and just roast Frank Reich really bad. Not I wouldn't come on here. I'll go to the Jay Stevens podcast, do it myself, but still. Just and then I'll that. invite you on. You can do it here too. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate it. But I mean, it, it does scare me. I, I don't think it will happen, but just knowing the fact that like it could happen is kind of a little crazy to me. I want to look into the, the bigger picture. Yeah. And I'm talking about the season as a whole. Yeah. Colts haven't won the division since, I believe, 2014, maybe 2015. I think it was 2014. It you know, it's, won crazy it. how, it's crazy how successful you can be when you have a really good quarterback. I was, exactly. I'll just, say that. I'll just exactly. say that. I'll leave it right there. Should have won it in 2018. Houston won it. They talked a lot of crap. We beat them in the opening round of the playoffs. I guess it didn't matter anyways. Sorry, I'm a little bitter about that one. Anyways, go back. Haven't won it since 2014, Jay. Is this the first time since 2014 that we see the Houston Tech or the Indianapolis Colts, shall I say, win the division? My gut says yes. 
And it was not like a questionable thing saying it will like, am I like 50, 50 or 60, 40? No, my gut immediately says, yes, you mentioned the defense. I mentioned the quarterback. I think you would both echo saying, I think we would both talk about and discuss how pivotal and important the O-line is. My gut says yes, because I don't think you need to have elite receivers to win this division. I don't. I don't think you need to have one of the top receiving units in the in the league to win this to win this division. I don't at all. You can easily do what the what the Titans did: uh, heavy run game and play action. That's really all you need. Like it's not it's not rocket science. But I think the defense will do will be able to do their job. I think the schedule sets up for the Colts, who have some have numerous tests at home and on the road, um, to be able to prevent some challenges. But I do think I think the Titans and the Colts split. I think the Texans uh, lose both. I think they, I actually it's, this may sound weird to you. I had the Colts beating the Texans and Jaguars during both meetings that they have, which is kind of shocking to me that I'm saying this right now. When I know that the Colts play the Jaguars in Week Two, not later in the season, but I do think though, like that's a win. Texans, Colts beat them twice. Jags, Jags, the Colts beat them twice. I think that right there is is huge. The Titans are really the only other team that you kind of have to wonder, like, can they do it? Can they not? I, my gut they says got, this. In my opinion, too, I, I think the Titans got worse. I think the Titans losing AJ Brown, trying to replace yep. him with a rookie, all these types of things. I think the Titans have gotten worse in the off season where the Colts have kind of improved. Yeah. So I am going as I finish putting something here really quickly. That was a last minute decision. I do have the Colts winning this division and I made a statement earlier didn't know what's going to come out it's crazy how good your team can be when you have a really good quarterback the Colts have a really good quarterback right now not not an average above average quarterback even in year 37 I'm going with Matt Ryan as a signal caller and he's going to lead the Colts to win the division the AFC South for the first time in what's been way too long yeah I agree what what do you think the record is I think let me look because I did a Record prediction for most of the divisions. I didn't get to finish it before the season started, but I believe I have the Colts in the AFC South. I I have them winning the AFC South at eleven and six. What do you think the Colts' record is for this year that allows them to win the AFC South? My gut said eleven and six, without even going through the schedule. As I was like, I was like ten and seven, eleven and six. That's where they could be. I think they can be twelve and five, bro. You think because so? I ha- yeah, I, there's a stretch. There's a chance. Listen, let a... me tell you real mm-hmm. quick. I'm going to tell you this story while you're looking at the schedule because this will tell you where I come from. I remember in 2016, the Colts were coming off of 2015 where they were 8-8. Eight eight. Andrew Luck got hurt, split time with Matt Hasselback. And I was in college, and I had some friends that were Colts fans. And I was looking at the schedule, and I said, Colts are going to go 8-8. Eight and, eight. and they were like, no, 11-5, 12-4. I said, no, I think, think the Colts are going to go 8-8. Eight and, eight. and I got called a fake Colts fan because I wasn't delusional and all this kind of stuff. And guess what? Yeah, they went eight and eight that year. So I think, you know, my heart and my gut told me, I think this could be a 12 win team. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like in my head, I'm kind of like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to put that out there because I, I just, there's a lot of question marks with Frank Reich and some of the other things. So for me, it's like this is an eleven win team. I high end, I can see them getting twelve wins, and if I think if the breaks fall off this thing, I can see them getting nine wins. But I see eleven being that with me. But when you said twelve wins, it kind of brought that up because it's like I so bad wanted to say twelve wins, but it's just like part of me scared to do that. Yeah, yeah. The coaching thing really gets me to not want to say twelve wins at all. It makes me want to go to eleven or even ten. I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a, it, I think they're a double digit win team. I have no problem me saying too. that, but the coaching really um, confuses me at times, bro. Really, it does. But there's a stretch that I think now the luxury is the Colts do play some really bad teams early. The Texans on the road week one, Jaguars on the road week two. They played they they got the Jaguars at home in week number six. But that's a stretch right there where I think you're going to lose. Um, and the Colts lose to the Chiefs in week number three. Um, they play the Titans on October 2nd, come back 
October 6th and play Denver on Thursday night on the road. I think that game's a loss. Um, not only the altitude, but also a really short week after playing a really tough divisional opponent. I think that one's a loss. You get a long break off. You get to play the Jaguars, the Titans. And then you got the Commanders, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Eagles, and the Steelers. My gut was saying Steelers are going to beat the Colts, but then I realized they just named Mitchell Trubisky their starting quarterback and their backup's Kenny Pickett. Like, Trubisky's an okay quarterback. Like, he's probably an average kind of guy. He's not an amazing type of quarterback. Kenny Pickett's a rookie. I want to trust that Najee Harris is going to do phenomenal things this year. One of my buddies actually said they think Najee Harris, the Steelers running back, is going to lead the, lead the league in rushing. He has the potential to do that. But, buddy, I don't know, man. Like, the Steelers are one of those teams, like, the Colts can beat them on Monday night in prime time. That's going to be the confidence boost that players need, that, that they need dressed drastically in that way. So I do have – I am going with um, – 12 and 5. The losses, I'll tell you this quickly. I think the Colts lose to the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Titans, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Now, many of you that know the Colts' schedule, you know that the Colts play the Patriots on November the 6th in New England. I think the Colts win that game. Sorry, I was on mute. Didn't realize that. Here's one that scares me, Jay. And listen. He'll, he'll be up and down. He'll play bad. But week eight, something just tells me Carson Wentz is going to do what Blake Bortles used to do. Like, I, I said this about Blake Bortles all the time. If Blake Bortles played the Colts and the Patriots for 16 weeks, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer because he yeah. looked like he yeah. looked like Tom freaking Brady out there. Yeah, man. But everybody else, he looked like crap. Carson, I think, could have a big game versus the Colts, kind of like a an FU game, I guess you know, revenge game. I look at it. Here's something looking at the schedule. There's a lot of 50-50 games on here. That I can see yes. Yes. Way. Uh, Titans 50-50, Broncos 50-50. I see the Patriots being 50-50, the Raiders being 50-50. I mean, Vikings, Chargers. Like, I, I think the Chargers are good, but I don't think they're that much better than the Indianapolis Colts. So I see some of these games, especially with them playing the Chargers week 16. Yeah. Like, I look at some of these games. There's a lot of 50-50 games on here for the Colts that maybe if they – that we that me and you have as losses, that if the ball bounces the right way, we may even be looking at a 13-win team instead of, a, instead of just a 12-win team. A little nerd note here that I'm going to drop for everybody. It's really easy to see here on the schedule, but something that pops off to me and I look at the schedule, the Colts bye week is in week 14. And I, as a coach, if I were a coach, I'm like, okay, cool. We're playing 13 games. All the injuries, all the nicks, all the dings, all the surgeries, all the MRIs, the x-rays, everything that go into the first five weeks of the season. But then you have to go 13 games in your last games against the Cowboys in prime time on NBC Sunday Night Football. Now, great. That, that's whatever. Like, I, cool. I don't care really who, care who you're playing. But it's like you're going to have a, that's a another tough game. You got a bye week. That's a late bye week to me, bro. That's it's a very really, late. Very really late. late. Now, the luxury, the only luxury I see out of this is there's four more games. You're playing the Vikings on the road. That should be – that's uh, – where do I have that one? That's a win. You play the Chargers. Uh, on the uh, on the at home, excuse me, after your bye week and on Monday night football, I have that one being a loss. But then you got the Giants and the Giants and the Texans. Like that's three and four. Right? That's three and one right there after your bye week. Talk about a momentum boost going into the playoffs after winning your division. That's it right there. So the luxury of having a late bye week. Look at your schedule. It's weak. You have a weak yeah. schedule after the yeah. bye week, so it should easily be three and one. That all of a sudden you're going to the playoffs with the momentum you need and you want going into a wild wild card weekend. I I agree, and I want revenge on um, Las Vegas. And I also I wish we played the Ravens every year because I feel like the last two years that we've played them back to back seasons, we should have won both of those games and poor coaching. More on the defensive front in last year's game kind of screwed us, I feel like. So, like, part of me is, like, I don't hate the Ravens by any means. 
But part of me is like, dude, I just want to beat this team because we've, we're better than they are, but yet somehow we always get got. And so I will tell you this. I hate the Titans with a passion. And I was thinking about the, this week. If we lose to Jacksonville in Jacksonville, I'm – I might have to change my hatred from being from the Titans to the Jags. I'm just saying I may have to hate the Jags more than I hate them. I root for them because they're they're the little brother and you kind of want to see them play a little bit better, but dude, I'm tired I'm tired of losing this team. So Stu, I'm gonna tell you a little story about what happened when I watched the Ohio State Notre Dame game. This is the first time that my, my girlfriend and I watched any football together at all. And so I normally am pretty calm. I keep my emotions <laughs> in check. Um, but there was a time. Did you watch that game? Uh, parts of it, yes. So early in the game, I, be- I believe it was Ohio State's first drive, uh, first series on offense. Um, complete meltdown. But that's, I got I to give credit to, to Notre Dame. Went back and rewatched the game. Um, Notre Dame brought six. Ohio State only had five. I think they only had five guys in, in blocking. Um, Notre Dame basically brought more guys in Ohio State. Ohio State could uh, block at that time. Um, Stroud gets sacked. And in that moment, I, I had my hat. I was outside watching the game. I was all happy. Took my hat off, threw it down, um, said a little word and some things that I'm not going to be here on the podcast. Um, but I was really, really frustrated. My friend behind me um, was like, you needed that. Because I had so much pent-up energy and nerves that I needed to like let it go. But I got a little animated during that game during certain parts because of the frustration that came when Ohio State, when I saw Ohio State, I know Ohio State can do certain things. They just weren't doing them. Things might be a little bit worse. The Colts lose to the Jaguars. And my love for my love for Ohio State and the Colts is it's it's there. It's large. There is no reason at all this team should go to Jacksonville week two and lose. And so when 100%. she saw me in that moment and get a little frustrated, animated, she probably would listen to this podcast and hear that story as well. And then if she sees me there, um, get a little animated, frustrated. Yeah. It's a great way to introduce someone to like how you watch football. When you, the, the two teams you love, the the Colts and the Buckeyes um, do something wrong, you get a little animated, but we'll see what happens. I really don't want to lose. I don't think they will lose. But if they do, my girlfriend might be like, wow, what did I walk into? This guy's a little crazy. <laughs> I remember the first time my wife watched a football game with me, it was because I'm I am very animated. You you said you're you're usually not, but I am I'm normally not no bro. I'm normally calm, but something's happened. And the first one she watched with me was that twenty eighteen game for the Colts when versus the tight or versus the Bengals. And I remember we're going down the field. Andrew Luck's gonna get that win. He's coming back off that injury. Locke's going to come back. We're going to do all these great things. And Jack Doyle fumbles the freaking football <laughs> right be- to ruin the game-winning drive. I She had never seen that side of me, but she did in that game. And then I'll tell you another interesting story, and we'll wrap it up on this, yeah. is, yeah. like I said, I'm very animated during games, right? Yeah. And last year during that Jacksonville game, my, my wife, fiance at the time, and my mother-in-law were over planning the wedding. And we're losing. And I'm not saying anything. I'm not speaking. I'm not doing anything. And my wife looks at her mother-in-law and says, let's go get something to eat. And she went and got something to eat. She came back because she knew, she knew I was more upset and more mad than I have ever been watching a Colts game (laughs) because of how Jacksonville was going that week last last year to end the to end the year like i i was i didn't speak like i was dead silent and i remember being so excited talking for multiple weeks jay i love football more than a lot of things in this world and i i looked forward for weeks to watch that national championship game which was the week after the colts played played jacksonville i talked about for weeks jay when that game came I said, you know what? Can we turn this off? I don't, I don't really want to watch football right now. Like my love, I I had a I was a little mad at football, not necessarily the Colts, but I was mad at football. But <laughs> that just tells you right there. At, it happens, bro. It happens. At, at what this means to me and what you know being a Colts fan means, but it also tells you like my wife was like, I've never seen you like that. I was like, I haven't seen myself like that either. So you know, but real quick, Jay, just to kind of wrap it up. Plug your social media, plug your podcast, both of them, Jay Stevens and the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. You do a lot of great things on the 
locked on Buckeyes. I'm not a Buckeyes fan, but when it comes to listening, I, I listen to yours a lot. I listen to Jeff's Buckeye remix all the time. So and I'm not a Buckeye fan, but there's a lot of guys I am a fan of on that team. CJ Stroud being one of them that, you know, for the draft process, I look forward to. So I listen to both you and Jeff a lot. But just plug your shows, what you got going on, your social media and everything, because, you know, I want more people to listen to you because you're a great talent. Thanks, Stu. Really appreciate it. You guys can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. Uh, do host the jstevens podcast. That comes out once a week. Uh, more of my chance to kind of uh, share some opinions about things going on in sports. Be a lot of football, football heavy um, from now until well, Super Bowl week um, <laughs> because it's football is king, football is on. We'll dabble in some basketball once basketball starts, but still football heavy from now until February. Then also Locked on Buckeyes. That's daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast covering the Ohio State football and basketball teams. Football heavy right now. There are things going on in basketball recruiting. Football right now is probably more important. And so we're doing a lot of football stuff, previewing Ohio State's game this upcoming weekend with Arkansas State. And then also on Friday doing a little fun um, kind of final show, um, getting you ready for the weekend's game. Yeah, the spread is large. I don't care. There are things I'm looking forward to to watch at Ohio State this weekend that might that the normal person that covers the team might not be looking for. What are they? I can't let those out yet. Tune <laughs> in on Friday to check that out. Yeah, he's a great marketer, great uh, businessman, not revealing his secrets. I will say this. Um, I just I, – I appreciate you coming on, Jay. I appreciate you you doing this. I look forward to talking, Colts. I look forward to talking about football. I was going to say something else. My brain kind of took a dump on me, so I don't really know what I'm going to say – what I was going to say. But I will say for those of you listening, I hope you have a great day great night, good afternoon, whatever it is. I hope you have a good one, and I'll see you next time.